For Arizona Public Media, I'm Leslie Tolbert, Regents Professor Emerita in Neuroscience at the University of Arizona, and this is Arizona Science. Our guest today is Jean Alexander, Professor of Psychology and Psychiatry at the U of A. Jean's research focuses on how our brains change as we age, and he has special expertise in determining how lifestyle factors influence the way in which we age in health or with neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's disease. Thanks for joining us, Jean. Thanks for having me. Why do some people age well and others not? I suppose that's your big question, but tell us first about normal aging. What is the normal cognitive change that we should expect as we age? You know, we all experience, I think, some changes as we age uh, cognitively, and it can influence our memory and other abilities. So these can be things like not feeling like we can't remember things quite as well as we used to, not doing things as quickly as we, as we used to. And those kinds of abilities are really actually very subtle compared to the kinds of changes that might occur when you have a neurodegenerative disease like Alzheimer's disease. So what would happen in that case? Well, for Alzheimer's disease, we really see profound uh, reductions in a person's ability for memory, for language, for visual spatial navigational skills, problem solving. And these abilities actually become severe enough that they actually impact a person's daily activities. So they can't do the usual activities that we all take for granted every day. You use advanced technologies to image brains in different conditions in different individuals, and then you're trying to correlate changes in structure with particular functional changes. Can you tell us how you do this? Really, fundamentally, what we're interested in is looking at brain behavior relationships in the context of Alzheimer's disease and aging. And so we can measure uh, cognition with different kinds of tests of memory and other abilities, but we also need to be able to measure brain. And to do that, we use neuroimaging techniques, magnetic resonance imaging like MRI scans, as well as positron emission tomography, which are PET scans of the brain. And what do each of those technologies give you? What kind of information do they well, give you? Yeah, together they, they tell you about the structure or volume of, the, of certain brain structures in the brain. They tell you about connectivity, um, the function, and actually, in recent years, we've been able to learn a, a lot about how the pathology of Alzheimer's disease is expressed in the brain because we have PET scans that can tell us about this pathology, not only how much is there, but also potentially the distribution in the brain, where it occurs. And this is really valuable. There must be so much variability among brains that you have to look at a large number of people, both, both cognitively normal and um, with uh, disease, in order to make correlations? That's a great question. We really uh, are very concerned about the heterogeneity or variability that occurs across aging. That's really one of the challenges to finding universally effective treatments for Alzheimer's disease. So we need to look at large numbers of people and be able to look at these scans and see how they vary and why some people uh, do well and some don't. And that's a really a critical question. And in order to determine what's a sort of pre- degenerative change, you have to follow people over time. That's right. It really helps to be able to follow people longitudinally, so we follow them over time with multiple tests. And we also are really interested in understanding what are the risk factors so that we can even identify people who are at risk for developing Alzheimer's disease long before they develop the clinical or cognitive symptoms. And that's what your new multi-million dollar collaborative grant from the National Institute on Aging is about. Is that right? That's right. We have an Alzheimer's Center here in Arizona, and the University of Arizona faculty play a big role in that. But we've now just uh, received a grant to add a new complement to that center, which includes um, a brain imaging and fluid biomarker core. What are fluid biomarkers? So in addition to looking at uh, brain imaging scans of the pathology, these uh, fluid biomarkers actually 
can also tell us about those pathology uh, uh, factors because we can look for very small concentrations that in the cerebrospinal fluid or the blood that also track uh, the earliest effects of Alzheimer's disease in the brain. And that's an area that we're really looking to develop new research to, to be able to evaluate. And together with the imaging, it provides a huge set of tools that we can use to evaluate the brain and relate it to cognition. And you've told me that not only do you hope to be able to do predictive work with these markers, but also that you could follow patients who are being treated in various different ways and look for early responses that might help you personalizing treatment in the long run. That's right, because uh, really the, the value of these, of these tools that we have is to be ultimately to be able to evaluate effective treatments when they're developed down the road. And we really are looking for disease-modifying treatments that will help us to change the course of Alzheimer's disease. So people can either um, not develop it more slowly or prevent it. Well, I hope you get there very fast. <laughs> Thank you very much, Gene. <laughs> Thank you. You can hear this and all Arizona Science Conversations at azpm.org slash Arizona Science. I'm Leslie Tolbert.